Before we kick this show off, let's hear a word from our sponsors. So it's been a full season for the Under Pressure Outdoors crew in the Hasmore Outdoor Products Silent Seat. And let me tell you, they're worth every penny. And here are some reasons why. Number one, you can't beat the comfort level. Number two, they don't hold in moisture like rain or sweat. Number three, they completely fold out of the way when you stand up, giving you a full range of motion in your climber. And number four, they cut down on your setup and breakdown times dramatically. Don't just take our word for it. Use offer code UPO15 and get 15% off your silent seat and many other U.S.-made accessories for your climber today. You can find Hasmore Outdoor Products on Facebook and hasmore.net. That's H-A-Z-M-O-R-E dot net. And in the link in this podcast description. I'm your host, Will Krebs, and this is the Under Pressure Outdoors Podcast. We didn't have rain for a while, and, you know, we really haven't gotten any much hurricanes to speak of besides what was the one that hit us that hit the pan i yeah Idalia. Yeah, yeah besides we Idalia, some... we haven't really i, had I don't know what i really deal with though i'm those hurricanes i'm not about that life tornadoes and hurricanes no, i'm good <laughs> i'm good man I'm well, not... <laughs> you know usually i, I say that because usually that's what brings a lot of rain during this time of year yeah gets the water yeah. levels up but we haven't had much much rain i mean it's i guess been pretty decently steady but here the last week or so it's like a week ago, it rained almost every day a decent amount. I know it's when I saw the most deer, I was like, Dad gum, I wish I was, I wish I had just taken the whole week off work and hunted. There were a couple you of You know how it goes. They know, they know when we're not in the woods. Yeah. Because I, <laughs> yeah, I, I had a time, oh man, it had, I think it was last week, where I went out just to, uh, I just got off work late and I was like, man, you know what? It's kind of a decently cloudy day. I'm just going to go out and walk like i'm i'll carry my bow yeah. i'm not gonna carry my saddle and stuff in with me and uh i got to a spot and i was like you know what? i'm gonna set up a trail cam here and then maybe like you know next couple of days i'll come back and set up the cam a dang buck walked right behind me oh. and i i get well. in like a dang stare down with him and then when he finally runs there's three other bucks that were behind him and i didn't see and i was like dad gum had i just packed my saddle and crap in here and walked straight here Hey, well, at least it's like you found them. I mean, that's better than going out there and seeing nothing but squirrels and spiders. Yeah, I went back there two days later and sat that spot and didn't see anything. Yeah, that's how it goes, right? <laughs> Is it, they make it, we make it look so easy, though, at the end of the year when we take pictures, right? It's um, how hard it's doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's why you saved some of those pictures from last year in case this year. Gets <laughs> yeah, right. You yeah. use them oh, to nowadays, season. Nowadays, man, some of these guys are, huh, this Photoshop and all this stuff, man, they make it. <laughs> Like, I could have sworn I saw that deer before, but you know how that, I'm like, whatever. You know, I wonder if you can use, uh, what's that, Photoshop's new AI generative fill. If you could just stand down and go, you know, put your hands up like this and then type in the generative fill, you know, Boone and Crockett buck and see if it just <laughs> pops up right there in front of you on the ground. Yeah. You know it's coming. You know it's coming. You know somebody's going to try it. I, I promise you. Some of these East Texas boys, I, they won't They won't know nothing about a computer, but they'll figure out how to do that. I know that. Well, it makes me think about that guy. Wow. 
it's been a few years. I want to say early 2000s maybe, and for some reason 2006 sticks out in my head. The guy that bolted the horns onto that deer killed in South Carolina, oh, yeah. I think. Yeah. I remember, you remember that? that? Oh. It was absolutely, for the area. Wasn't it a record? Weren't they trying to say it was Oh, a yeah. No, it would have been. It was an absolute freak. It, it looked like an absolute freak of nature. Yeah. And it would have definitely been the state record, if not a new, um, like, world record. I can't remember. Yeah, but, I mean, hey, if you're going to go for the gusto, I might as well, you might as well just. Well, it all boiled down to the fact, they're like, all right, well, let us x-ray the skull. And he's like, no. <laughs> why not let me you're not x-raying the skull yeah <laughs> there's weights what. in the fish <laughs> if i kill a world record deer I'm on, he's, we can go to washington dc we can get a ct an mri i mean you can name it we'll do it I, <laughs> exactly <laughs> I mean, put me on the books baby <laughs> he says yeah let's see what's in there i ain't i ain't sure i didn't do nothing to it i mean if yeah, you have no nothing lie. to hide you have nothing to hide it's kind of like those fishermen, those pike fishermen, not too long ago, wasn't it? With the the lead. Yeah, they put the, everything in there. It's, it was a walleye tournament, I believe, is what it was. Oh yeah, right, walleye. That's what it was. Yeah. I remember it was something, something up north. I was like, my gosh, man, what links do we stop trying to just? I don't know. You know how it goes, man. You, I, the stuff I've seen grown men do for a white tail and a fish is just—it's ridiculous, isn't it? No, nah, it'll make you shake your head. I've seen I, my fair share of it. <laughs> it's like, oh. <laughs> Well, before we get any Some further, the worst divorce. I'm like, golly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, before we get any further, let me uh, let me introduce everybody we've got here. I'm your host, Will Krebs. We got Jim in here tonight. Yes, sir. We got Jordan. I'm here. Let's get it. And we've got Mr. Corey uh, Milliff. Yes, sir. And Corey, you're down in Texas. Yes, sir. Tell us a little bit about what you do over that way. Uh, well, born and raised southeast Texas, uh, up around Walker County, Montgomery County, just about an hour north of um, Houston, greater Houston area. Uh, cut my teeth around this area. Six, seven years old. I'm creeping up on 40 now. Um, at 16, my dad started hunting with uh, which happened to be my in-laws at the time uh, down in Mexico. Um Took me down there. I guess it was my either sophomore year or junior. I just turned 16. Went down there with him and been there ever since, man, and just been chasing those uh, between East Texas and South Texas and North Mexico. Um, been staying at it pretty steady. Uh, this will be my 20th year in Mexico. Um, I guess about eight, seven, eight years ago, I started doing – Guiding slash uh, lease management deals. Have currently I have two ranches that I oversee now. Um, we have a north camp which we call El Rey, and then we have a south camp which we call Alcabose. That uh, my dad and his, I guess a little older group, run there. You know, hunt that one, and then me and a, a closer age group guys uh, hunt the north camp, you know, which we call El Rey. So, so about what- twenty five, twenty six thousand total acres. Um, combined what's the draw to mexico over somewhere else for what you're hunting there oh well honestly the financial aspect is probably the number one i guess lure when it comes to just pen and paper uh what you get for your dollar compared to what you would get in south texas nowadays is um, night and day difference that makes sense Um, i guess 
Yeah, I guess your dollar goes quite a bit further. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, which, I mean, unfortunately now, uh, I mean, I remember when I first started hunting, the peso to dollar ratio was, I don't know, 22, 23. Now it's like 16. So it's, you're feeling, I mean, it's, it's still better. There's no doubt about it. Plus, the regulations are a little different. Like, person, like if you go and you're a member, you get um, a, what we do is a, you get one trophy tag and then you get a management tag. So, one guy could essentially kill two really, really nice deer. Um, of course, our management deer go anywhere from 130 to 150, and then um, of course the trophy goes beyond that. So, it's hard for. That same price tag is probably four times, three, four times in some cases more than that in Texas. So oh yeah, I can, I can imagine that. I mean, that's I, the big. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. That's the biggest factor for most people that get started down there. And then, then once you start hunting, you realize that there's. It's hard to fathom uh, what the Wild West. Go ahead. Oh no, I was I was letting them oh. know, not you. I'm sorry. That's oh, I'm raising, sorry. We raise our uh, hands. So we don't interrupt each other. I didn't mean to interrupt I, uh, you. You get which is why we call you know we do the last frontier contest with the whitetail, which is the Mexico contest. But to get back to that point, it's what it feels like. I mean, you cross the border, yeah, it's an imaginary line, but you start driving in there and you're going back. It feels like two, three hundred years sometimes. It's right? Just, there's nothing. There's there's. I mean, I've been in a deer stand sometimes where it gets so quiet that uh, your ears have to start ringing because you start getting almost dizzy uh, i mean it gets that still and that tranquil you know there's no cars there's no background noise there's no it's just the wild right once you see that and once that gets in your blood and you see a true mexico rut i mean it does i, mean, I get goosebumps thinking about it now it, it's uh it's the real deal well that's what i wanted to ask is and that's why i raised my hand earlier is what is a typical day like if you come down there are you are you walking in? Is it what guys see on television where you're sitting on a rise and you're glassing, looking for deer moving through? I mean, there's all, I mean, you can, you can do it all. That, that, that's the beauty of it. Uh, you can get hands on knees and you can go crawling off some thick cactus and you can get off from there with rattles and set up and you can have them in your lap and you better make a decision pretty quick or you can be, uh, we, you know, we killed a, this went years like two years ago. Now we killed our largest deer, uh, me and a good friend of mine, um, uh, it was a hundred and something and it's just you know everything shuts off at that point there's not much going on so after a week we just started sitting on water and sat on water and just kind of like it you know kind of like they do antelope or anything like that and we killed 182 inch deer and 103 degree temps <sighs> and then wow. there's days where you just start running the roads and you just try to play your eyes on as much country as you can uh, you corn the roads you can sit over and feed. I mean, it's really whatever you want to make it. The options are limitless. Um, personally, the highest success rate for me um, would be corn in the roads and then just kind of, I mean, you can, over 15,000 acres, you can drive all day. So <laughs> you start one end, you go to the other, you just kind of yo-yo back and forth, and you just kind of glass, and just work your way. And that's where typically – my personal experience is you, you see the most and kill the most mature deer because they're not dumb by any means. Yeah, we hunt, you know, you know everyone has their preference. I, I know some people, you know, you can start slicing hairs pretty quick in the hunting industry when it comes to what everybody likes and doesn't like. 
but um they're they're wild animals at the end of the day and they're not dumb they don't get old by being stupid so you think you're just gonna sit on a feeder day in and day out and, and be successful doesn't always uh doesn't always equal no, success I, that's what i see is a bit of a, a nice departure compared to typical white tail deer hunting in the east is it's usually pretty static you you go yeah. up a tree and you sit whether yeah. it's on a feed or not on a feeder um the idea of doing some whitetail hunting where you're mobile and covering ground and seeing country that we certainly don't have in florida because i assume it's a little bit more arid right cactus yeah mesquite. it's our our um we're in the northern part of Coahuila and uh it's more it's more sage i'd say low brush you know very few um, forage above six foot. I mean, you get seven foot, you can see the other side of the horizon in some cases. Now, as you get further, I've, I mean, I've hunted from Nuevo Leon all the way up to basically is from Del Rio all the way down to Falcon Dam. Um, I've hunted all that country over the years. I, I've kind of called home to the north part of Aquila uh, and for the last 12 years now. And uh, uh, now the further south you go, the, the big mesquites, the big red dirt, you know, where we're at, it's you couldn't drive a T-post two inches without needing a, you know, a rock break or something like that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's rough country. I mean, it's really, really rough country. It's, and you're talking about big elevation changes in some parts, you know, 80 to 100 feet of just uh, sometimes sheer drop-offs. Like we have a, a, a large uh, arroyo that runs through our – middle of our property and it's just a dry bed it's about 120 yards wide and on one side it you know it, it tapers off you know runs back off into property you know there's about 30 foot elevation change but on the other side there's about a i don't know it, probably the maximum probably 120 foot bluff sheer bluff and uh Jeez. you can you can get flat wore out and, and get uh where you're in a bind if you not paying attention. Yeah, I can you shoot, imagine. You yeah. shoot a deer, and and the optical illusion of that country is what gets a lot of people. We've lost, we've had a lot of guys lose, you know, lose deer till we get on horseback and go find them. But you know, they're thinking he's right here and he's three hundred yards away and not sixty. So it's a, it's a, it's a little takes some getting used to for sure. And plus, adding. Um, you know, you get a big deer walk out there and every brush is two foot tall. It doesn't look, it, it, you can start making some mistakes pretty quick. You know, some guys, I, you know, I grew up in East Texas. I cut my teeth in East Texas. Uh, I've killed a lot of really good deer here. Um, like you say, it's, it's a static. You're in a, you're in a lock on or you're in a, I'm not a, personally a big ground blind guy myself. I, I don't, really like being in a you know most confined nowadays they have them where you can see 360 but that's not what i grew up with you know yeah. so yeah, you had one it, small window on each side yeah exactly yeah. it was like you know cocaine and, and good luck it, so i i was strictly bow hunting from about 18 uh till about eight years ago and uh i did that pretty religiously you know i never picked up a gun in that window uh, I was really I had a lot of great success. I've been blessed with some great properties, uh, some great owners, and um, Mexico was always that. Plus, I, at that point, I started working for UPS, where I currently work. I've been there almost 15 years now, 
And unfortunately, uh, you know, our peak season at work starts from yeah. just before Thanksgiving till after Christmas. So it really put a stake in some of my hunting as it get. But God works in mysterious ways. He knew how it goes. I found Mexico, and the rut does not start till right about Christmas, and we run well into almost February. Uh, so the hunting is perfect after. So it started just the dominoes started falling for me to just make that transition. And to get back to your point, it, it was fun hunting. It was fun to go from that just slow motion, quicksand, all of a sudden it flips the switch. He's standing there, and, and it's over with. So you get to see a lot more country. You get to see a lot more activity. You see the world around you moving, and uh, it's so it's it's you can get addicting <laughs> for sure. That's that's one of the things we we're dealing with this year is we're used to we, we grew up you know living here in Florida and then driving up and hunting South Central Southwest Georgia where the rut would fall anywhere from the beginning of November to right around Thanksgiving time frame. Yeah, and now we've gone over just moved literally three hours west or so of where we were last time and. We're looking at rut in January, which oh, yeah. is, yeah, I think it, I hope it, I think it's going to be great because I, I expect it to be quite a bit colder than we're used to in, in yeah, November, which, yeah. which gets the deer up and moving quite a bit. Um, what kind of weather are you guys looking at during rut in Mexico? I don't see if it would, I can't imagine it I cooling mean, it's a off lot too like, much. No, it's a lot like Mexico. I mean, Mexico's a lot like uh, South Texas when it comes to weather. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you guys, we're probably close, regular, you know, pretty close to the same type of temperature. I mean, to get freezing, you're talking maybe a handful of days. But right. for the norm, 65 during the day, low of, you know, low 40s during peak winter time. I mean, we had a pretty good freeze that one year, uh, about three years ago, uh, that blew down through here and kind of, but like I said, we're, you're not talking any sort of extended harsh conditions freeze-wise. I remember uh, that three years ago. It was like 19, 20 degrees yeah, Christmas morning. Yeah, like, it was. Yeah, yeah it was cold. That's it was the coldest it's been here. Yeah, it was like six degrees, and we're about an hour north of Houston. So it was um, – that's probably the coldest I've ever seen. And then, of course, here we are in the hottest summer I've ever – my goodness, I mean, Hunter, we were having temperatures between 105 and 109 for a month straight. Um, I understand that. We dealt with that, too. So, right? it's like, man, you you talk about bipolar. My goodness, it, it just goes from one. But we don't have a we don't have what I would consider a, a, a season of harsh, harsh winter that would uh, – I'm more worried about a drought than I am a, a long freeze. Actually, so. one of the things I was going to ask is we, we have such humidity down here, and I've not – travel that area of mexico but i've done i've, I've been all through like uh was it nuevo laredo down to hebronville yep. Yep. yeah and i see i assume that the country that you're down there in mexico is somewhat similar maybe not the high mesquite and thing you're, you're, not, yeah. you're not dealing with the big that seven yeah. foot tall mesquite that they've got yeah all big over. big big mesquite trees yeah for sure oh you do have that Wait, well I you said if you have more. water yeah you have water yeah but it, if you, that's only um like I said, that's few and far between, but we have some, but nothing of, I mean, you're talking maybe 1% of a ranch, but yeah, no, down there, down South, you have, like you're saying, the big mesquite trees. Yeah. Down around, uh, uh Eagle pass and all down yeah. along, we're following the Rio Grande. It's, it's nasty. 
And I don't know how those yeah. people come through there, but when, once you get away from the Rio Grande, it levels out quite yeah. a bit, but it's, it's so much drier. And you'll see deer out there, right? You'll see sign them, but I'm like, what in, what in God's name are they surviving on out here? What are they, what are Man. they, they eating sage? That, yeah, that's it. You, exactly. Between sage, um, there's a thing called black brush, which is really, really high in protein, um, which I posted on. We uh, have a, a Mexico hunting contest and uh, another guy, a good uh, guy you kind of look up to over the years that has a Mexico group posted on there. Some of the, you know, the local or the native forage and some of these protein contents and some of this stuff is just insane. I mean, some of them go up to like 32%. So when you open one up, if you kill one, knock it down, and you you open it up, and you, you know if you accidentally pierce the stomach, are you getting that that yeah, sage, you, sage salad smell like you get when you knock yeah, down you're an getting antelope? That just and then some and then it depends, sometimes you get a lot of that. You get a lot of the the um, the prickly pear cactus. Yeah. Mm. You get those purple holes. You get a lot of that too. Um, as it gets longer and deeper into season, it's it starts filling up with mostly corn. So it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> so they're it's they're, like, they're nipping the little red buds off the prickly pears. Yeah, gotta you know, get so water they, somewhere. Jesus man, they, uh, those Tough those deer. little you know they're about the size of a I don't know maybe a racket ball, and uh, they can live off of those. Even bear. I mean, we had a bad bear. I'm not going to speak. We have not had any bears here lately, but we have had uh, our fair share of an absolute nightmare of a bear problem. And they will go through some of those purple holes now. They will. I mean, you can come and, up and it just looks like milk corn. I mean, you can hold it in them. Huh. And that's know. black bears? Black bears. Big yeah. black bears. Hmm. And, and, uh, can you like hunt? you say, you, you, wonder, you look around and you say, how on earth does anything live down here? And they're, and they're everywhere. I mean, between just not even whitetail, but just the wildlife alone. Right. I mean, they run cattle. They run, yeah, you name it. And it's it's. You can look out there at any given time and just see five different species at some time. I mean, between predator and livestock and, and wild game. So um, it's pretty impressive, really, honestly. That that type of country really interests me because I yeah. spent a little time in the high desert in California. And um, coming from the southeast and hunting in the southeast, never in my life would I ever have imagined that I could stand in a valley and see 25 miles yeah. with my, I'm like, what do you mean? 200 yards. Yeah, sure. 25 oh. miles. No way. Then I go yeah, see exactly. that. I go out there and I, and I'm exposed to that. And I'm like, this is absolutely insane. How far you Dude. can see. And then I think about trying to hunt in that. Cause there's no place to hide. I mean, you can hide, but you're not hidden. If you can see them, they can see you to some degree. Uh, oh, for sure. I was, we went and hunted, cranes and lubbock and i was (laughs) i was taken back when we like the sun came up and we got outside of the city like into the farmland and i was like my god i I it is just flat and i could see there wasn't a tree in sight like i could see as far as my eyes would allow me to see i could see yeah, if your dog you runs see the away, post you can... office in Oklahoma, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> your dog runs away, you can still see it running three days later. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, and the bad part about that stuff is, is, I mean, when you get take over a property that you don't know anything about, it can get flat out overwhelming because it's like, where do you? I'm, 
at some point, where do I draw the line and what I want to look at and what I can look at? So it's like, um, you got to be careful of putting yourself in a situation where you're just, you're, you can't look at it all and you're missing stuff because you're too, you know, you're looking at, it's like trying to do the, look at the universe. It's like, where do you point the telescope at? At some point, you just got to pick and choose. So, right. I, I mean, you just try to, as I've gotten a, long, a little older, I just find areas that I like to look. I, I want to sit and look at, and then I can manage, and then just go from there. So it's, it's you'll make I mean, it. I, hunt. I get it. You can't hunt things that are miles away, but it's hard not to look at things miles away when you can see miles away. Well, there ain't, you've never been in the bind until you see a deer that you want to hunt. He's he's whatever. He, I mean, he could be three miles to six miles. I mean, right. who knows once you start walking it because it's like – there is no more soul crushing moment than realizing I have seen a deer that I can do nothing with. So it's like, well, <laughs> and you can't just get in the truck and drive that. over there because yeah, you know, right. you're going to blow the hunt. Definitely. It's not like you're Chris Kyle or anything. You, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I look, let's look, look here. I mean, I, I can shoot, but I'm, I'm not going to sit here and try to take the spin of the earth into in, uh, consideration of what's yeah, going Coriolis on. Coriolis so forces. Like, yeah, well, at yeah, that, at that, that, that point, point, it's like, okay, I might just need to sit there and take a picture because this ain't going to well, work. You mentioned your ranch is fifteen. Yeah, one section is fifteen thousand acres. Yes, sir. We uh, it, at the ranch actually total is thirty. Um, I've hunted. I think the largest ranch I've hunted in Mexico at one point was um, just shy of thirty six thousand. Um, Good God! And you're talking. I think that ranch we had eight hunters, which is another aspect that uh, which is pretty. Me personally is is more alluring in uh, Mexico because you can hunt quite a bit of land, um, and not have as much hunters. Which I, I mean, here in Texas, I mean my hometown, <coughs> you can hunt. There, there can be guys. There can be twenty, thirty guys on fifteen hundred acres. I was gonna so, say here like, in Florida, you got like twelve guys on a two hundred acre track. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and look, look how you go on Craigslist right now and. and all four of us can go hunt 10 acres if we wanted to. So it's like, uh, yeah. and you're paying a truck note. So for a uh, year, listen, it ain't, ain't even insane. that down here in Florida, you got 10 guys on 200 acres and they're all paying 10 grand a piece to be there for the year. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Dude. That's what so, I'm, I'm, I'm to put you're paying enough money to buy the property just about to yeah. put, that. That's what I always, that was, I've always said, I was like, man, at some point we're going to catch on that we can just buy the place and it's the same price. And it's like, <laughs> but yeah. who at the end of the day, I don't know. I've gone through all seasons of hunting. I, I've started, I hunted in East Texas where I saw I was, to see a, a, a legal deer was quite the, you know, astonishment. Never in my life did I ever think I would be hunting. I would have shot, killed, and let alone passed some of the deer that I've done over my life. Um, but I've seen the hunting world through a novice to uh, intermediate to trophy hunter to now what I would, I don't know, I consider, I like to trophy, I mean, I do still trophy hunt, but uh, I'm kind of just there for the, I, I love taking pictures and videoing and getting my friends and family and, and this is a big deer too. I'm, I'm past that point now. Now I hunt. My my sole goal now is just to shoot something I haven't shot before. Uh, I yeah. shot like 130 inch, a little over 130 inch six point two years ago, and man, let me tell you what, 
That's a I big was, six point. Yes. <laughs> no, he was, was. Hey, let me tell you what. He was. He stepped out with the 182 inch deer, and they, I never even. I was not worried about the 182 inch deer. I was like, Oh my gosh, look at. That. I'm like, look, look at that big six point behind him. I was like, Oh. So that's. I mean, that's where I'm at now. I, I'm hunting a deer now that uh, if season will hurry up and get here, it's um, kind of fits the mold too. Just different. Nothing. I think my biggest deer is just shy of 172. Um, like I said, I've been I, a part of a 182-inch deer. I would crap my pants if a 170-inch deer walked out. I'd I crap a, my pants if a 150-inch deer walked out in front of me. Listen, I, I had a buddy that I hunted with. Um, I, I was in the Army with. We were on a lease together, and he was from southeast Texas. And he would talk about hunting with his dad. And, you know, we've all got stories about when dad, you know, you hold the light for dad. His hold the light oh, stories man, were that's... very, very different than my hold the light stories. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. He would, he's out there marking a trail with a green piece of tape on a tree, like an OD green piece of tape. And he's stop here. And I'm like, for what? He's like, so I go in the woods. I'm like, how do you know? He's like, well, I put that tape on the tree. I'm like, what tape? He's like, you don't see the tape. I'm like, bro. It's OD green. The tree is brown, and you put camouflage, like, drew camouflage. Yeah, no, I don't see the yeah, tape. right? He's like, I just grew up having to hunt like that. And I was like, dude, no, you grew up poaching. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, yeah. If you have to go to the links that you got to go to, like, break a break a branch or leave, like, an acre in the middle <laughs> yeah. of the trail, like, you're not, like, okay, guys. But my dad was pretty, um, man, we hunted, like I said, we hunted East Texas. I don't know if you if y'all ever heard of we're familiar with East Texas hunting. It's like hunting. Well, where, where like in East Texas goes. are you? said you north. You said up around Conroe, or uh, I'm you from, further? I'm I'm about halfway between Dallas and Houston, um, right off 45. Yeah, uh, I grew up, up near up, Huntsville. Yes, I, yeah, just we're just right south of Huntsville. Um, I was born and raised in Willis. Uh, I hunted not about an hour north of Huntsville. My when I was a kid for a long time, me and my family. Um, we were just, of course, we had the furthest deer stand from the camp. Uh, we didn't have full wheel. We were just trying to make it by. My dad probably just took me out there to just keep me from tearing the house apart. <laughs> how I how I ever fell in love with hunting there, I have no idea. I mean, we, to see a deer was a blessing. My dad had a, a pallet and wrapped it with chicken wire and had 16-foot two-by-fours and pushed it up and leaned it against a tree. And wrapped it in burlap, and he cut. Once again, we're talking holes like this, you know, four by six. And I would sit on a five-gallon bucket between his legs, and I would stare at the front of that blind about four inches from my face for hours, until something stepped out. And he'd tap me on the shoulder, he'd ease me up, and let me look out the window. And then, then well, we went from that. Uh, when I finally started hunting my, by myself, I got a porta potty. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's great though, man! I love hunting porta potties. And not one of the, and we're not talking about these new ones. You know, these new ones are eight by eight and got you know octagons and all that. I'm one of the old one holder, like the wheelchair accessible porta potties. Yeah, no, we're, yeah, we're talking like the old fiberglass ones that were that OSHA threw away that had you know probably lined with asbestos. asbestos. And painted it with, <laughs> that's like with, that's like that recycling bin we had. <laughs> yeah, we probably followed it up and painted it with lead paint or something. Yeah. Just. You know, yeah. I had a two by twelve for the seat, and man, I was in hog heaven. Uh, and then it just kind of we went off. And then when I started transitioning to uh, uh, tra uh, you know more of a trophy hunter, I killed my first real good deer. Uh, a, a friend of the family had a really nice piece of property. Um, he let me hunt it. Just me. It was probably just over 
1,200 acres. And I hunted that for a long, long time, I mean, over a decade. And I killed some really good, I grew some really, and during that point, uh, I was pretty headstrong on just, I set a goal and was trying to get it. Um, I killed multiple, I don't know, I, it's a, between Mexico and there now, I'm probably creeping at or above double digit 150 inch deer. Um, at one point I was probably, I grew a, I say I, it's not really I, but the property grew um, would have been probably a top five state archery deer at the time. Maybe still would be. I don't know. I mean, I have one of his sheds. Um, but I passed him at at my peak madness. He was probably four years old. It was right at 170. He was 167. And wham! I think the last. Yeah, exactly. Every guy in this studio just said wham. <laughs> yeah, oh, trust me. I, to this day, I'm doing. I'm, we called it. I called him Glendale at, at three. He looked like you know the Glendale target. Yeah, he looked yeah. just like at three years old. He looked just like that. And I was hunting. I was hunting actually this deer right here, this big eight that year. That's an only um, an eight point. Good lord, I didn't realize that. I'm looking at it over your shoulder. That's a huge. That's over 150 inch eight point right there. Yep. That's that's if the house starts burning down, that's one of the top three gets grabbed out What's of here. That, so 26 inch or so inside spread. Uh, just over 24. Okay. So yep. He looks a little wider way up there, but yeah, he's we called his name Stretch. So uh, he is outside that deer the right there. <laughs> no kidding. That deer right there caused a little bit of a buzz. So but, you know, after that shot, that deer, you know, I started having people follow me at four in the morning from my house and trying to figure <laughs> out where I was hunting. Trying to figure out where I was hunting. I mean, you welcome to the white tail world, right, guys? So, um. I don't even know where we were going with that, but yeah, that's just kind of East Texas was where I started. It, it's where I, my heart and soul's hunting wise probably grew the fondest. Um, here lately, it's just it's gotten a little bit too much for me when it comes to just the opinions, the people. I, I went where I was hunting by myself most of the time for a long time, just really. Yeah, we all hunt for our own reasons, right? Well, I, yeah, I, I was young and just. You know, I had a goal, and that's what I wanted to do. And um, I was opinionated, just like every other young kid probably was. And I thought I was, I thought I knew probably more than I actually did. And uh, then, you know, you, people just start backstabbing, you know, how it goes. It's just it, the way yeah, it yeah, we, we, we got Facebook, we know. Right. Yeah, so it's like, <laughs> let's go back. At that point, I just, I just went to, you know, everybody was trying to figure out where I was hunting. They were going to the measures that were just. I wouldn't do. I mean, I'm not going to sit at somebody's house and wait for them to pull out of the driveway and then follow them. So at that point, I just kind of just went hermit mode. Uh, I share a picture when I shot something. Every time I shoot something, it was a so. And then finally, as I've gotten older, um, I just started getting. I wasn't as mad at them anymore. Uh, so I was, I was like, man, I, what is it? What's it? What fun is this if you can't share it with people? So right. it got. I got. I kind of went full circle, and, and now that's where I'm at now. And it's been a blessing, and uh, I've had a lot of fun over the years, these past, I don't know, four or five years since I've transitioned back to what I would say um, camp life, you know, where you're going and hanging out with people and stuff like that. So It's been quite a – I, I want to say you, you brought up your porta potty and I, I pointed at Jordan, and I said it reminded me of our recycling bin. Have you have you ever seen – I know you had to have seen them. They, they were – they would be like a trash collection site and it was shaped like a Pac-Man. 
and it had just a little hole in the front right. that you could fit a bag inside of, and it, they were it, maybe it five a, and a half feet tall. It was like half of an oval. Yeah. It's pretty much what it was. <laughs> My dad got a hold well, of one of those. I haven't seen one of those. And we cut. Yeah, but it was we, like half an oval, and then it had like little, it pretty much looked like a big-ass trash can where you could like stick stuff in the hole at the top of it. Yeah. Or like one of those like uh, donation clothes collection. Yeah, where clothes donations thing. Or yeah. Something. yeah, 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 yeah. That's pretty much what it was. It was made of fiberglass. My dad got a hold of one of those. It had like a an eye hook on top, so you yeah, could pick it, it up with the tractor, it was drag like it up 10 there. Ten foot tall, I think. Yeah. Set oh, you had it down. a tractor. Uh, yeah, well, that was later, much oh, later. Man, well, on. Yeah, 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 we're talking, we're talking, you know, like a 1912 Massey Ferguson or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cut windows and a hole, uh, windows and a door into it. But if you were inside that sucker and you dropped something, it would deafen you. <laughs> yeah, Our, <laughs> the echo. It you was, had eight count, huh? You have to get back up and be like, yeah. smell the salts oh, in the yeah. bottom of that thing. Yeah, shoot a, shoot a gun out of the inside of that thing and see oh, how, how it rings your bell. We had a metal tower stand like that that was like a gong. Like, if you were sitting in it, it was really uncomfortable. But if you dropped something or if you hit the rail, it would go bong. Oh. And then, man, when you, when you, and it had a cover on it, a metal roof. And one time I let loose with a 300 wind mag out of that thing and the concussion that bounced off the top of that roof. Like you just, it's already bad enough. Yeah. But my God. I said, I'm never hunting this stand again. Right. Man, we've, we've got something like that. And, uh, you know, in Mexico, you're not really, like I said, when you, if you're eight foot in the air, you might as well be on top of the, you know, Eiffel tower. It, was, it just, <laughs> you just feel like you're already in space. You know what I mean? And, uh, you just kind of get lax to get basical and you just, you know, start watching. And then all of a sudden, Oh man, I had a what kind of hawk was that? I don't was that red tail hawk. I don't. It was a big old hawk, and he come and landed in the windowsill of that that uh old tin bucket, and I, it sounded like a velociraptor was stuck in there with me. It was quite the sight to see. It, yeah, it, I come alive. Let me tell you that I was the hunt was over with at that point. I, I was ready to get down and. Um, you probably heard me all the way to Florida. <laughs> well, let's take a break real quick. Sit tight. We'll be right back with a word from our sponsors. As we move through life, it's inevitable that we're going to find ourselves needing trusted advice from legal counsel, from business transactions to real estate, lawsuits to contract matters. We all need advice and assistance from time to time. Attorney Roman Hammis, multi-state law practice, focuses on litigation, business law, and real estate. Roman helps individuals and business owners find solutions to their legal problems. If push comes to shove, Rome is an experienced litigator with extensive trial experience and the ability to take it all the way. He's been named Super Lawyer every year from 2016 to present, a distinction given to only 5% of practicing lawyers. Most importantly, Roman is an avid hunter, angler, conservationist, and proud supporter of the UPO Nation. When you need dependable legal counsel, call Roman, 407-680-6050 or 843-324-1727 or email roman at RomanVHamas.com. That's R O M A N at R O M A N V 
H-A-M-M-E-S.com. Offices, Florida and South Carolina. So let's go wander back to Mexico for a little bit. So, you know, for the folks that are listening or, or maybe sitting here in this podcast studio, um, how challenging or what are the challenges to get in and out of Mexico, especially if you want to drive there and bring your own firearm? Um, the biggest challenge would be, honestly, it's the communication barrier. I mean, you know, obviously there's a, a language barrier that's uh, – plays a role in some instances uh, if anyone is listening that's interested or my biggest advice would be find someone that's a tenured or you know personally I've got a great network that's taken several several years to you know manifest it and find the right people the trustworthy people good people um, speak you know both languages very well there's not a, a whole ton of of communication area, which is probably going to be your biggest um, hurdle up front. Beyond that, the paperwork is pretty much what the paperwork is. Um, I would not recommend doing that on your own if you've never done it. Uh, I would definitely reach out to find, you know, a, a group or a person. Well, I mean, you know, the internet makes a little small now. Um, ask questions. Um, I followed... When I first started, there were some guys I looked up to, you know, like, I don't know, Rusty Baker, Clay Young, uh, Keith Rand, you know, Dean Strong, I mean, Dean Strong, who else? And, and I've created my own network as I've started to kind of climb the ladder. Um, but I asked those guys questions and they were all great. You know, they answered all my questions. They, they put me in contact with the right people. Um, and then as I started getting comfortable, uh, I started doing it on my own with a, a quote unquote a liaison or, uh, you know, people that handle that. Um, the so let me interrupt you. Rifles. So you're, there are people that you can contact that will meet you, I assume at the border and act as translator and liaison. They have relationships with the people at the border that can then act as an intermediary between you and the border security and of course, you have to have the appropriate paperwork and whatnot, and probably no felonies or anything like that. Yeah. Well, you're not supposed to have felonies to carry firearms in the United States right. anyway. But um, yeah, and hopefully ease that transition because I do understand that even under the best of circumstances, it's still rather tedious. They don't just say, "Oh, well, this all checks out," and away you go. Is that yeah? The it's case, it's, it's a it's a very man. Like we always, I mean, if you know anybody that hunts in Mexico, they'll tell you this. It's just all in who you get. Right day. Some days it's it's you know. Okay, everything checks out. You guys look good. You're in and out. Okay, cool. Like I tell everybody, just be happy that day. You know what I mean? Because there can come a day um, where the bad part about it is is it's more out of uh, a lack of understanding because what happens at the border is um, on both sides, you know, Mexico does this too where they only allow – Uh, military personnel to stay at a place for so long before they're rotating. So, which is understandable. So there's no, you know, the lack of corruption or whatever is not there. And, um, but the troubling part about that is, is the relationship that it, 
they're not familiar. The Mexican culture overall is not a hunting culture. They're not what you would see here, you know, where there's just a large swath of people that hunt. It's a very small group. So it's not a well-known, you know, you go tell them I'm hunting or I'm bringing a hunting truck or, it, you know, they they just, they don't quite understand what goes into that. So um, you're dealing with that gap there in certain situations where you're not bringing a rifle cross, but maybe you're bringing a deer feeder. And they're like, well, what is this? And, <laughs> yeah. like, you, you know, it's like, well, and, you know, they want to pay, they want you to pay import tax and stuff like that. So you, you, the give and take there is just um, what I always suggest is, and I tell all my guys, um, look, what we're going to do is we're going to, yeah, it's, you're going to pay a little bit. You're, and that's, let me tell you what, I'll pay a price to not be stuck at a border for three or four hours trying to figure out something that could be very simple. Had I just done so a little there's bit. There's a graft. When you get there, yeah, there's a good yeah. chance you're going to get shaken down a little bit. What, what, yeah, do you, well, what, what should people what should people expect to have in, in, in pesos to work themselves out of a jam smoothly? And how, what does that look like? I assume it's not like, give me some cash and I'll let you go. I assume no, it's a little it's, bit more it's nuanced. A, it's a that. lot more formal. I mean, we all hear the, the wild, wild west stories and we all hear the, um, but he, uh, I don't know, I guess over the last 10 years, it's, it's gotten really, um, it's more, it's real formal. I mean, there are, it, it, it's not what, it's not what you're going to hear from around the campfire in some instances. And, and, you know, the smooth sailing and the easy stuff doesn't really do the meter. I mean, yeah, we've all been a part of, I mean, between here and Mexico, I've, all, I've been a part of stuff that, you know, that's just the world we live in. It, it doesn't, it's not a, a place thing. It's a, but the biggest issue you run into now is just making sure you have the right stuff. Now everything is like, if you have the right paperwork, that's going to be your biggest issue. You're not going to, if it, you don't have the paperwork, they're not going to let you through period. The end doesn't matter if you try to lay a thousand dollar strap on the, on the, in the cup holder, they're not doing it. Um, that's just the way it is now. I mean, yeah. In the old days you could leave a hundred dollars and they whatever. And go. No, I, I was more concerned that, that you do have all of your paperwork and everything really is in order. But at the end of the day, there's a, a gratuity expected. No, not anymore. Those no? those Good. days are long gone. They, yeah, they it's it's they do it by the book. I mean, the book is sometimes can be um, like any sort of Owners. government thing can get can get just plumb. Like this makes no sense. Like well, my biggest issue, my biggest headache, honestly, is coming back into the states. Um, I was going to ask regular, about that. Yeah, some of, I have more problems coming back into Texas than I do ever going to Mexico. Um, it's it, the lot, but you know, it's just like, kind of like, it's all the, it's all the, anytime government gets involved, it just gets overcomplicated and the logic goes out the window. Once you lose logic, you lose, I, I, I hate arguing common sense with people. Well, so where, it's like, where would you suggest people cross for that matter? I mean, like I've made the border crossing a couple of different places. I would suggest Juarez is not ideal, but yeah, um, no, I, I, the, you know, Piedras Negras has has probably the smooth. Like I don't, in, in my personal opinion, there's guys that have you know, that's going to all be up to you. But going back into the states, um, Piedras has probably been the smoothest for me personally. Um, I don't know the the, the Del Rio one has been hit or miss. I, I mean, there's not to say this isn't a bash anybody, but there's been some really great agents on in the Del Rio that have been absolutely noteworthy and held the standard that I would, you know, deem great. 
And then there's some that are just like, man, I don't, I don't, you, you can just feel like there's an ax to grind. It does not feel like it's just doing a, uh, a job. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you find it, that with any type of enforcement. Yeah, exactly. No it's, where it's, you're it's, at. Yeah. I, I've had two instances with the same gentleman, um, that has been, uh, man, to say the least, you just got to bite your time out. Arguing with him is not going to do, do you any good. So it, it's, uh, but the last one, it, it, it just, it's like, sir, you, you, you've let a hundred cars drive by me that all look the exact same. You're going to turn me around because my, and tell me to go wash my truck. And it's like, I don't, for what? Well, you say wash? His logic, wash, yeah, wash my truck, wash it. And his logic was that the dirt that I would bring over could be detrimental to the Texas wildlife. And I said, yeah, he's fucking with you. No, man. It's, yeah, that's I just mean, like, that point, well, so you think about, you, you say that, but you think about this, how easily hydrilla gets transferred lake to lake through a boat trailer. It's the same no, thing. I, I'm with you, but if you're talking about it, it's just dust and not. Cake no. Yeah. I mean, I, I get it, but. but my thing is, is let's, let's call it what it is. This is America, and that's Mexico on paper. But at the end of the day, you don't think that the dust – I mean – Oh, no, you're right. <laughs> just the other day, they were telling me dust from Africa was flying over here. So it's like – I was about so, to say, we get that every single year when about so hurricane season. It's it, – it, once you lose – I just – my biggest pet peeve in life as I've gotten older is just arguing common sense. And, and once you lose that, I, I, I kind of lose patience with you. So it's like um, – and the same thing, we have a big deal about ticks – um, you can't bring a tick across on a cape, whether it's been frozen. You used to be able to dip them. Um, now, we basically don't get to bring the capes back anymore. Um, it's just not worth the headache. So what my logic mm. with that is, is they'll let a dog go back and forth all day, every day. And I've sit there and personally watched deer swim across the – I'm at the Rio Grande. And it's like, so what – do you not think that the tick is crossing What's... this water's – for some reason, yeah, yeah, that's what I, I'm saying. I, well, I'm, I know why, but I can't remember why. Yeah, the you ticks, can understand what, why. Well, I know there, there was a their carry the there. It's a disease. It's a disease problem. Yeah, it's it? a disease. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you got them Lone Star ticks that if the wrong one bites you, you lose the ability it's to not, eat meat. No, there's something you get a far, meat allergy. <clears throat> there's something far. There's something very different in Mexico. Um, I remember reading an article about this a while back, and I don't remember what it was. Do you do you know offhand the reason why you can't why they're so there was a certain tick that's there's a certain tick that they carry that is um it carries a different from my honor from what they told me when i don't know if this is true it carries a different strain which could affect you know it has something to do with livestock yes it's a livestock Mm, deal so it was like which is why they make you quarantine watch you know they sell cattle back and forth they make you quarantine for Mm -hmm. a certain amount of days this and that um it's the same thing which once again, which my logic was, it's like, sir, I, I, they swim here. Are you to think? Well, it, it it's the same. Twenty five hundred people don't walk across the water. A deer don't. It's like, come on. It's the same thing with CWD, right? Exactly. And we see that now crossing state borders. You, they're they're mitigating what they can, and you can't control what you can't control. It kind of boils yes. down to somebody's got to do something, right? We got to do something. Oh well, yeah. It, yeah, and the minute you give someone um, an unbridled, you know, an unbridled sword, it's like, man, they can do what they at their discretion. Whether they have a bad day, a good day, or you're just the guy <clears> that catches the, 
you know, after meeting the warning letter, it's like you, you just so that would be my big I try to tell everyone. Prepare going both ways. Don't just think you're out of the water the minute you cross the bridge and, you know, don't let your guard down and get in uh, where you're caught off guard and you act out because you're, you know, the last yeah. minute you, there's all, there is an underlying, like, oh, I'm back home kind of like feeling, you know what I mean? And then when someone pulls the rug under you after you've been sitting in the line sometimes for two hours and tells you you got to go back, uh, you can get out of, you know, I've seen guys get out of character pretty, pretty quick. Um, well, I mean, that all the, all that difference can be made by whatever your your guard there agent uh whether they had uh lunch on time or not yeah absolutely well, i already or picked up one hot tip wash your truck before you go <laughs> yeah. before hey, you let come me tell back you what, yeah. brother i could trade that thing in when i cross now <laughs> i don't I, i'm like what which i because I, I want to get home i mean at the end of the day when you've been in the when you've been in the mexico brush for 10 15 days you, you want to get home i mean I, my wife's good looking woman i don't i'm not trying to stay out there too long so um once i'm ready to come home i'm ready to come home so uh the ticks in mexico the the import between ticks is because uh cattle fever and uh, cattle fever attacks and destroys the animal's red blood cells causing acute anemia high fever and enlargement of the spleen and liver uh, ultimately resulting in death up to 90% of the animals. I knew it had something to do with livestock. Yeah, it's well, and years ago, you used to be able to go to Aroma, and they had a uh, a drum where you could dip your hides in. Or if they were frozen solid for 24 hours, they were accepted then too. That's that's no longer uh, in the realm of possibilities. So, so what do you do? You just... just you just taking the hide off the head and bringing the skull, the horns back. Pretty much. I mean, back. that's what I do now. I, I tell my guys, don't even worry. I'm going to recape it. So, yeah, you just, I mean, find one in, I mean, you're going to pay another 150 bucks, but it's like. Uh, or you just I, do Euro mount. I've seen a guy spend 13 hours combing a, combing a hide and get turned, and they find a part of the body and they threw it away. Oof. And I was like, hmm. Not worth it. No, absolutely not. It, 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 but man, you talk about some capes. Oh, they're beautiful. I mean, they're a, a mature Mexico white tail cape is. Where, I mean, oh, they're fine. They're good looking animals. Good looking capes for sure. So you're, you're not that, you're not hunting the coos deer then. The coos deer are further west. The, the coos deer, are little, yeah. No, we don't. Now we have um, in instances. I don't know if you ever heard of a Carmen Mountain white tail. Um, they're similar to a coos, but. They are, um, we have them from time to time in our South camp. And that is a pretty wild animal to see. Um, they're probably 85, 95 pounds on the hoof live. But they're still a whitetail. You, you yeah. know, though, yeah. I, I look at that and I Sounds see talking like about deer. coos deer and all that stuff. But key deer, my ass, that's like deer down there in Rock Springs. 85, 95 pounds on the hoof with horns on their head. That's, that's, that's a regular Florida deer. Yeah, right. That's, yeah. that's like Freer, that's like over there in Freer, you know, or them. Those Central Texas deer are like that too, but it's a pretty wild thing to see because I think the first time I ever encountered one, um, I was in a Sendero. I was just kind of was standing there. I was out on my truck. I was kind of easing back and forth over over hilltops, and um, I'm, I'm glassing, and I see a deer that he's mature. I'm saying he's five or six. He's just an eight-point, nothing crazy. And I kind of forget about him, and I'm, I'm looking on past him, and then I hear rocks and 
um, I get to looking and I'm, I'm between me and him is a big sagebrush and I couldn't see him. Well, he steps out and he's, I don't know, eight feet. And it was, it was the wildest thing I'd ever seen because it was like taking a fully mature deer and just like, honey, I shrunk the kids and just kind of just compressed it. <laughs> and he was, I don't know, his ears must have been in my, my pocket. It was wild. Uh, but look, I mean, if you were to put him 100 yards away, he'd look like a normal deer. But when he got up and close to him, I was like, I could have literally picked this thing up and just thrown it over my shoulder like it was nothing. It was, <laughs> it was quite the uh, quite the experience. To say. And that was my first, uh, you know, encounter with when I went back to camp and I was like, I just saw the weirdest thing. Man. And then that's when I got, uh, you know, informed of what actually what I had encountered. So, <laughs> uh, well, going, going down the that Ballywick, what other species do you hunt there except whitetail? Um, there's, like I said, there's the Carmen Mountain whitetail. There is, um, we have an occasional mule deer run through, nothing um, of any sort, you know, herd wise. It's just a straggler here and there. We'll catch one. Um, but there are some, man, there's some fine mule deer out there. Um, just a little further west of us, you know, we start getting, you start getting closer to Sonora and stuff like that then, where, you know, you're talking world class animals. Um, of course, there's lion, mountain lions, lots of mountain lions. And Can you take them? No, uh, we haven't had any instances where, you know, we've run into now black bears, which are federally protected, so you can't do anything with. We have a ton of experiences with those, and those are an absolute nightmare if you've never dealt with bears. We um, do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, we, had a, we had a boar um, on our south camp that – I don't know why, what I was doing. Uh, I wanted to see a part of some of this country you just can't get to. There, there's no, I mean, there's not roads and in instances for what we're, uh, you know, used to. And the roads that are there are overgrown. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Some of these branches, um, especially our South Camp, is not like it's just, the, the traffic is just not, yeah, it's, you're just not, it's totally different traffic. You're, you're not, we're not talking about county roads and we're not, you're not talking about, uh, forestry trails or something you're just a truck that started driving off there a couple times a year and the stuff just kind of dies down um i wanted to get to this part of ranch i wanted to see it so i started walking um from uh, a blind we called number seven it's a beautiful beautiful spot about the only sandy place on the whole property anyway start walking to the southwest corner and um we had had a ton of bears that year and a really big one at this particular spot um He's probably up all over 300 pounds and seven and a half. I mean, he's huge. Anyways, long story short, I'm walking down this trail trying to find this old peeless water trough I had seen on Google Map. And uh, I don't know if you've ever smelt a bear or mm -hmm. they're pretty rank, they're pretty stout. Uh, and I started smelling and I started seeing uh, signs. And at that point, I probably knew I, I don't know what I was. I, I, the better part of me told me I should leave, you know, hindsight. But I was just kind of – I had never been to this this part of the property, so I was really kind of intrigued. It was a beautiful place. And you're just like, man, there's some good country over here. And about that time, I just hear this doof. And you just – have you ever, like, you know when someone drops a sack of corn next to you? That feeling just in the ground that just, like, boom. All of a sudden, this massive bear just stands up. And he's oh, – 15 feet, 20 feet. 
and he stands up. And, I mean, the brush line is probably about my nose. And he's just, I mean, armpits over the – and uh, He didn't turn around and haul ass? No, he, he – luckily, of course, I'm sitting there trying to head down, gun by my hip, trying not to scratch my scope because this stuff's so thick. And I'm halfway hunched over, and he's standing there like just, you know, David versus Goliath. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> and luckily, he's looking not my direction, but kind of off. I don't know. He's more off to about – he's looking past, I don't know, about 20 yards to the north of me. So he's not looking at me, but he's smelt me at some point. And – he stands there for what felt like six hours, but I'm just kind of, you know, going at my belly button like that, you know, head down, just kind of peripheral watching him. And he finally whirls around and takes off. But you talk about getting out of that country. I was gone. I was gone. And uh, ever since then, I've respected bears a lot more because, uh, you know, I've seen some smaller ones, 120, 130 pounds, you know, a little bit bigger than a St. Bernard or something like that. And when you see a full-grown man stand up like that, it, it'll shake you. So you they can hurt you. That's a it, big bear. Jordan, Jordan got out of the tree stand last year to go use the uh, Mother Nature's bathroom and uh, about a, got attacked by a bear, right? You know, <laughs> it's what I thought was a bear. <laughs> it turned out to be like, you know, 15 hogs. Oh, man. No, but we that was enough we to make it run back to the stand without wiping. Yeah, listen. So <laughs> all I had heard was like, uh, you know, I was doing my thing there, and then uh, I had heard a bunch of brush breaking. I mean, a bunch. I mean, you imagine like 15 hogs running through some. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I don't know if y'all know what, uh, y'all know what palmettas are, but palmettas down here are real thick. Yeah, so they're slapping around. Yeah, yeah, and they're slapping around like crazy. And uh, I glance, and all I see is black. And I'm like, "Oh, damn! I got my pants around my ankles." I'm... You're thinking, "How's this gonna look on the front page, huh?" It's like, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm fixing to get mauled by a bear with a, you know, taking a dump. Yeah. And, to be fair, uh, we were so sit- we were yeah, sitting a so I, I pinch it off real quick and pull my pants back up. And run back to the tree stand, and then I, my phone starts vibrating. And I look down at it, and Jim's like, "Did you guys see all those pigs?" And I'm like, "You son." Of a <laughs> to be fair, when we it was like, "Boy, well, yeah. walk over so, here." Yeah, so I, <clears throat> I dropped my drawers right there at the bottom of the stand and got my baby wipes out and cleaned up. <laughs> got back in the yeah, tree yeah, stand. You, you finished. That's a good. That's a good plug for dude wipes right there, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> those pigs made so much noise coming through the woods, though. When I first heard all the branches busting and everything else. I figured that I figured that he, somebody must have spooked a bear. Oh, I thought, or it was, a bear yeah. was chasing a fawn. But that much noise, I was like, it's got to be a bear yeah. rolling through here. But then all of a sudden, they there's a bunch of pigs. We, knock on wood. I mean, we don't have a huge feral hog problem in um, where we're at in Mexico. And I don't really. Yeah, it's um, we have occasional ones. You know, we have hogs, but. Um, Predominantly, we have what we uh, javelina. I'm sure you know what javelina is. Right? Really, um, we have a bunch of javelina, but just like a feral, like we're not, you know, used to like big feral hogs, big cutters, and or sows, and we don't really have a ton of those. I mean, we have them, but nothing, nothing probably like you guys have or we have here in 
uh, you know, East Texas, or they're just ramping it. Ramping. So tell, tell us about the javelinas, man. You punching those things out too? Oh, let me tell you what. Javelina and meat is like grease and water. We just don't mix. So it, it's, uh, I think uh, at one point, which is one of my funnest hunts I've ever had, um, man, we I think we punched out like 10 or 12 in one, like, I don't know, felt like 30 seconds uh, with a, with bows. Um, we meant pulling them out and shooting another one, you know, with pulling out of one that's been shot and shooting. It was just half an arrow. It, it's like, um, they're not the smartest creature on earth. How they lasted this long, I have no idea. But, uh, they're, they're pretty fun little creatures, man. They, well, like, yeah, they're, like they're, a lot of, in the states, though, they're fairly highly regulated. What's it like in? Yeah, in Texas, you can only shoot like two a year or something like that um, per person. So I don't know. I, but it's kind of like, you know, same thing with dove. I think the dove limit here is like, I don't know, 12 or 15 or something like that. In Mexico, it's like 125. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. The bird, I mean, bird hunting in, in Mexico is just as good as the white cell I mean, and the, I mean, any other species in Mexico. The, the, really? It is insane. I mean, you, you can drive and jump cubbies of 30, 40 quail at a time. I oh, mean, man. Sounds like I need to make a trip to Mexico. Yeah, you can see, you, you can, I mean, the dove, you're talking like pigeon sized dove, dove, big, big dove. 50, 60, I mean, just. Looks like Chi-Chi birds running across there. Those big, <laughs> the big white wing doves you got down there. Yeah, they're huge. They're massive. And let them let them go. Let your feeder go off. They'll wipe out that corn faster than anything. They have turkeys too. <laughs> I mean, there's a. That's why I'm. I try to tell everybody out in Mexico. There is so much untapped potential there that, that everyone should experience. Whether you're a bird hunter, I mean, I, I know um, my landowners uh, fish a lot, and. Uh, I mean, everything just down there is just the numbers are so much um, greater. Uh, maybe it's pressure, may, which I'm sure that plays a part of it. But um, it's the sight to see if you're an outdoorsman. I mean, there's just no way around it. I, I don't know much yeah, that compares but, to it. I mean, population and, uh, centers in Mexico versus the United States in as much, I would say, open ground, for lack of a better term, you have there is considerably more. Yeah, and, and the thing about it is is the owners and the Mexican people there are, I mean, some of the finest, I mean, some of the literally the finest people you'll ever meet. Um, sometimes there's, I mean, my cowboys, of course, there's a communication barrier, but I'm at hard work and knows, you know, salt of the earth people there. Just do anything that you ask them. Um, my owners, um, they're basically family. I mean, I consider them family. I mean, they're genuinely good people. I mean, you're talking about great people, hardworking people that are trying to make a living, do it the right way. Um, enjoy the outdoors just like us. You know what I mean? Of course, you know, the news, like I tell you, tell you about, both sides have an agenda. You know, the border is always going to be a hot topic. There's no way around it. Um, a lot of the traffic is not actually what I would say Hispanic. I mean, there's people coming through Mexico constantly, and like our ranch owners, um, luckily we don't have a lot of traffic. But they have they have their issues. No, just like we have issues here, those owners have issues there too with people coming through in some of their ranches and having to deal with that too. So it's not like it's just an American deal too. 
So I, what I always try to tell people when it comes to Mexico is these people are just like us. Whether we want to accept that or not, that's up to us. But personally, um, they are some absolutely genuinely great human beings that live across the uh, share the same border as us and share the same hobbies and interests and uh, want to do it the right way, enjoy doing it the right way. Um, they treat me and my family like family. Um, my owner is just a little bit older than me. Um, well, him and his dad, he's kind of slowly taking over the position of running the ranch. Um, but he's literally like a brother to me. Him and his cousin, his cousin is a lease member with us. We we visit, they visit here. Um, they were exchange students. Um, they're not looking for anything different than what we would be, you know, than what we do. So um, if I could, I, my biggest goal now at this point in my life is to try to shine a positive light on Mexico and what all it has to offer because um, there's a plethora to enjoy there. Um, it did get hot there in about 2008, which is when I moved up north. Um, but it's not, it's not this wild, wild west. You know, you don't drive across and people are just scattered or you know what I mean? It's it's a normal well, it's a normal day. It's a normal you drive through the town, it looks no different. I mean, yes, the structures look different, but they have, you know, they're running big plants, they're running uh you know, there's a John Deere factory. So yeah, man, there's know, good people cross. everywhere. Most but people just want yeah, to get so through it's their like, day. I, I, it's like, yeah. let's, let's, I just want everyone to, to know, because of course, when you bring up honey in Mexico, people look at you like you've got three heads and it's like, look, is there always going to be an underlying uh, chance of, you know, of risk? Yes. But there is, I have run into, I have had more stuff stolen. I have had more, near-death experiences i've had guns pulled on me more in this i've never had that happen today in mexico yeah. i have had numerous instances where i've run into someone like that uh in my own home well so good people and good deeds rarely make the news because they don't oh absolutely you know it's yeah it's and that's the vast majority most experiences you have with people there are going to be genuinely Pleasant. I mean, great. I, be past pleasant. They'll do anything for you. You ask them, they'll do it. And they don't ask for much. It doesn't take much. Um, they're, I mean, they're just genuinely, and they're hardworking people. I mean, hard, hardworking people. Um, just trying to make a way. I mean, most of them are just trying to make a way. And it's it's a it's a great culture to be a part of. It's a great culture to watch, especially when we're at. It's growing tremendously. Um, and it's a it's a great place to. I would take my family. I, I, I mean, we take. I take my mom. I mean, I take. There's plenty of people that take wives, children, and enjoy it for what it really is. It's it's one of the few places on the face of the earth left that it's truly wild, and that you'll get to see um, things that you won't see here. I mean, you can step out at night and you can literally see the shape of the solar system. I mean, you can see. It, it looks like you're. A dome. You can yeah, see the there's no light the, pollution. Yeah. yeah, you can see the you can see the the bend of the Earth. You can see, I mean, you can see thirty shooting stars in an hour. I mean, it's it's truly you see more stars than you can see dark. It, it's um, you can see wildlife in its true nature without a fence in the way or 
a car or someone's, you know what I mean? It's a, you can go back in time. It's, it's one of the few time capsules that are so close to home for, especially us that, uh, well, Corey, it's, it, this is starting to sound an awful lot like an invitation. <laughs> hey, I will, I, I, let me tell you what the whole so the whole sort of purpose of this and while we started well we started a, a mexico hunting contest uh three years this will be the third year let's take a break real quick and then let's come back and talk Absolutely. about the last frontier the under pressure outdoors podcast is brought to you in part by hang free with a mission to provide top quality products for the best possible price, Hang Free believes that the saddle hunting experience is worth more than money. They create both tried and true products as well as debut new items to the saddle hunting community, creating a community of saddle hunters that don't have to break the bank to participate in the hobby that they love. Do yourself a favor and join the Hang Free family this hunting season. They truly have everything you need. Don't forget to use offer code UPO10 at checkout for 10% off your order at hangfree.co. So, tell tell us about the the last frontier. I see it on your t shirt there. Yeah, we um we started a Mexico only um, whitetail contest about three years ago. Uh, this is our third season this year. Um, of course, it's not to cut out um, anyone in particular. It's just to kind of highlight what Mexico has to offer and not get diluted by. Um, everything else so you can kind of kind of a standalone deal um and i don't know as i've gotten older uh my love for the outdoors has changed from just being a hunter to more of a conservationist in the sense of bringing people to hunting other than just letting it die out i feel like i feel like the generations after me the amount of hunters are nothing like whenever i started i mean every kid in my school would camo um we left every friday on opening weekend you know the school was a ghost town um that's not happening today um it's a it's a in my opinion maybe it is in certain areas but i surely see the um i don't see the kids my age that were going to when my dad told me we were going to mexico i was gone but he didn't have to ask me twice he didn't have to um he had to beat me off you know from with a stick from going in the truck so it was like anytime he was going hunting i was going so I just don't see that going now. And I surely see Mexico is a very, very small network, very small group of people in the grand scheme of, I mean, hunting. I mean, from three different states, you could, you can probably, there's probably, you know, less than a thousand hunters, I would say. So give or take, that's a small, especially given the, the size of acreage that you can hunt. It's a small group and word travels fast if you do something wrong or something goes down or vice versa. But as I progressed in life, I, I realized um, this way of life is just going to keep getting, well, we see it every day. It gets attacked all the time. Um, and until, and then if we're not pouring back into it, uh, there's not going to be anybody left to hold the gate closed when they come knocking. So I believe it's sort of a duty to try and keep it alive as much as you can and to show a positive light on what it, you know, Mexico, when you talk about the border, it's all, you know, the news is, it's never going to be. It's sensational. Yeah. It's, it's it's always going to be this, right? So um, there's some, as I've built 
relations with these people um, and you see how hardworking they are and, and how some of them depend on it. I mean, some of these, some of these cowboys can make in a month during deer season what they make in a year on some ranches. So it, it can change their lives literally for the better. And uh, I've seen them risk life and limb to help and protect and, and, and you know, situations where, you know, they have your back, you know, I've walked up on rattlesnakes, not paying attention and one of them grabbed me or help me, you know, fill in a feeder and almost fall, you know, they're, they're not just, no shit vaqueros, man. They're, they're yeah, they're not like oh, they're living on the land. Yeah, they're not going to give you the. <clears throat> they're going to give you everything they got, and it's like when you when you see that and you see these people genuinely caring and trying to make a good way. You should. I, I feel a duty to pour back into it. I felt the duty. I feel. I still feel a duty, um, and I still. I, I, for my whole life, I've I felt like um, hunting has always been my passion. So, uh, I, I feel a duty to. Not necessarily. We get in a world now where it's so opinionated and, and so diverse that you know you can go online and you can see hunters that attack people just like they attack us. And it's like I, I just don't feel like I think everyone's heard enough opinions from everybody. Maybe it's just now time to see someone doing something that's a little different and a little bit more positive that can uh you know maybe bridge that gap a little bit and not be so uh, electric or more. Amen. It, Sorry, man. Really quick. What's it look like so if, it, if if this crew wanted to come down and see you in Mexico? What's that look like? What do we got to do? Man, it's it's not much. It, like I said, you just a passport. Uh, make sure your truck's got good registration. If you don't want to drive, you can, we'll load you up, and then uh, passport's good, driver's license is good, everything checks out. Bow hunt. If you bow hunt, it's just a simple permit. If you rifle hunt, um, it's a, it's a little legwork, but it's nothing. It's a little. It's a pretty easy scheduling. Uh, good time frame. You just, Everything checks out. This number checks out. This number checks out. Everybody good. Your registration is good. Trucks are good. What we do? Meet you on this side of the border and cross together? Yeah. You, what you normally know do is you would, you would, um, if you're taking a gun across, you'll stop on the American side. You'll get a, uh, I don't think of that, E522 form or something like that. It might be something different. But you have to get a form that validates the guns aren't stolen. American side checks it out, runs the VINs. Everything's good. They sign off on that. You go across. You should. What we will normally do is you'll send all that paperwork before you go, which we we do. Which is uh, Miss Maria is who we deal with, and she's she's the creme de la creme in my opinion um, in our area for sure. So um, there's some guys down south like Humberto and stuff like that that do a great job. Uh, they pass all that off to the federal or you know the, the military. The military shows up. They check everything, the forms you submitted, they check the guns, they check the, you know, how many cartridges you bring across, make sure the cartridges match the caliber that you brought. Scope, you get a, uh, you get a visa for the duration of whatever you're hunting. So some seasons, you know, you can hunt pigs or uh, coyotes or, uh, you know, white stuff. Whatever, whatever you sign off on saying, I'm going to hunt for deer season, well, deer season, they have dates just like we have. Once that date's done, you have to bring the gun out. You have to check it back out with the Mexican Army. And then once you get back into the American side, you have to show the form that you took across the beginning of the season. They do the same thing. And it's uh, it's how to prevent army. smuggling. You take yeah, three guns so in, you bring three guns out. Yeah, it's just to keep up with the gun. Yeah, it's just to keep up with the gun, know where it's at. 
and, and know how long it's supposed to be there. And then if that doesn't happen, then they they do the proper procedure to, to locate it. So you, you just don't, it's not like you just get to go down there and leave it and that's it. Because uh, they will come look for you. <laughs> so so what, what is, I, we, I don't know, we briefly touched on it. What is the last frontier? Oh, uh, the last frontier is basically uh, to spotlight what is left of, in my opinion, the true wild west of, of whitetail hunting. Um, and behind that would be to have a positive spin on not just hunting, but what the culture is altogether to just to be, um, truly go back to the old ways of uh, your word means what your word means. Your handshake means what your handshake means. Um, you're going to give each other the best, you know, you're going to, you're going to look out for each other. You're going to, you're going to just encapsulate what in my mind was probably one of the better generations. And it's just that last frontier era where the, the, you know, the world was wild, but the world had a, had a, had a compass at the same time too. So it, it's really just to create a community that, you know, supports each other, looks out for each other, wants the best for each other and just be positive. It doesn't always have to be about killing a deer. It doesn't always have to be about uh, setting a new record or growing an eight and a half year old deer or having the most property. It just really has to go back to just being a true hunter and being a true, uh, and just being a good human being at the end of the day. Um, because I feel like we have enough opinions. We have enough of the hard asses. We have enough of the gatekeepers that don't want anyone to succeed or have what they have. Um, I think it's time for someone to bridge that gap and bring in new people. And, and, and if they do better than you, you're happy. I mean, I'm genuinely happy for people that do better than me, um, kill better than me. Uh, I, you'll never see me. That's a philosophy of abundance. Yeah, it, we're, look, there's enough pie for all of us at the end of the day. And either we can we can grow a field together and keep making pies, or we can just sit here and hold it all ourselves and then no, and have nowhere else to to bake it at. So it's like, um, it's up to it's up to us to to make it what it used to be. I mean, we used to be able to share a camp and have our whole families there and have our whole you know our kids around. Now you now there's ranches where you got to get a pamphlet when you walk in the door and it's got a list of rules. And I, I just I think it's time that uh, we show the world that we're not just self-centered or. So this, uh, this is maybe sound like a silly question at this point, but are you offering a guiding service or is this? Yeah, just... we do both. I, I mean, I, I, we do, uh, we, we guide hunts. Uh, I'm on a very small scale because uh, I have a full-time job. I'm a blue collar worker, just like everybody else. I have only so many days I can work during a year, um, but that is my full, whenever I'm done here, um, that'll be my full-time gig. Uh, I know a lot of guys that do outfit down there. Um, I have great connections with. Uh, I'm a small, very small time to say. Um, it's okay. But uh, it's, it's. Um, I have a ton of repeat people. So we, we really, we're blessed. I'm blessed for sure. I have great hunters. Um, they come back year in and year out. So it's, it's, it's pretty easy. It makes my job, my life very easy. So I don't have to babysit them. I can go, I say, here's the stand. Here's the, here's the, what we got here. Go, you know, so it works for, it works as of right now with my schedule and, and, uh, my ability. So it's, 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 uh, like I said, it's a small time, but it's, it, it'll get there. It will, so it's you, really just, do you offer, 
for lack of a better term, a guided service and then another service where it's essentially yes, we have, access we have instead we call, of being a guide? We do both. Like our ranches, we have X amount of allotment for what we call lease members, which have private spots, uh, get access to, you know, a trophy and a uh, management deer. And then we hunt. And then we have just people that pay to come hunt just one tag. They don't pay, you know, corn bills. They don't pay. They don't have to have a blind. They don't, they don't, but they also don't get access to what we would consider some of these people's private spots. We have community spots where we take our, our management hunters um, and we do that. So it's, it's a two for one kind of deal. It works out for us. If we put the money back into the ranch. Um, I really don't make any money off of it. I know everybody thinks the people that run. No, 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 man. Anybody, that's, anybody that's been around this more than 15 minutes knows that it's a, your deficit spending and something like this is just helping to stop the bleeding a little bit. Yeah, but hey, let me tell you what, between cell cam subscriptions, oh, that alone, Good I don't even God. want to. Oh, no shit. You I just got a warning. My, cell cams to have my a batteries payment. are low. I'm like, ah, I got to go get the solar charger now. I just, I Man, just got into that dang cell cam Between game the, literally last weekend. And awesome. It, it is, but it's, all I, got, all I got is raccoons and fox and a possum at the moment. We'll see. You don't even want to, I don't even want to, I'm not even going to say out loud on here because my wife will listen to this at some point. Um, <laughs> what are what the cell phone subscription is. You can, uh, you can just man, write the number uh, on a piece of paper and hold it up. And then yeah, 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 right. I'll just blink. I'll, I might blink for every hundred dollars. So it was like uh, <laughs> 85 bucks a year per camera. Yeah, <laughs> no. I just like, I'm like, can we not get a bulk near here, guys? Like, what do, I mean, my Listen, goodness, I, what we got to do here? Jim, if you're paying $85 a year for your camera, I can get you on a cheaper. Unlimited. I'm good with it. I think oh, it's I don't need bucks. unlimited. Yeah. I do. Unlimited. I want to see today. all the possums and raccoons I can. No. I'll take 85 today. Yeah, I so, get like I, per, I pay like 10, camera. What? Yeah, I pay like ten dollars a month for my one camera, and I think I get like six hundred pictures a month. Dude, or I pay eighty five a year. Do the math. Unlimited. I'm good. It's like seven dollars. Yeah, yeah, it's I've, cheap. I've, yeah. My, my number is less expensive than yours. I thought you were talking about. Yeah, I thought you were talking about eighty-five a month. That was good. God, Jim. No. no, I'll take eighty-five a month. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll take that. Who do y'all? Who are y'all using? What kind of cell cameras so, are y'all using? Right now, I've just. Uh, it was a while back. Uh, Academy had the uh, Moultrie uh, base camps on sale, yep. so I bought a couple Moultrie base camps, and uh, that's. I just use Moultrie right now. I that's I fun. would. I'd gladly switch if we could find somebody to, uh, you know. Board, yeah. I'm using SpyPoint. They're cheap, but you know, it just. I'm not looking for real great detail. If you're looking for a high res camera, they would not be my choice. Yeah, but I, they're easy. They work, and you know. I tell you, yeah. the, My first experience with with uh, cell cameras was with the Cuddy the Cuddy Link system. Cuddy Link, yeah. And that was. That's the only thing we could run on that property because there's only one spot on that property that got cell signal. So you have to pull it all back to that one spot. Yeah. So that's you you had pretty... you had your home camera that actually sent the photo, yeah. and then all your other cameras were linked to that one within the certain range. Yeah. Uh, but I mean that worked out. But like I said, Jordan Jordan bought those multiple of those cameras. He's like I'm not paying for all these. You want to pay for this one? I was like, yeah, I'm sure. I, I'll pay ten bucks a month for that. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh man. Hey, I've been. I've been over my lifetime. I've owned over a thousand cameras. Um, that is my 
one hunting vice that where huh i just cannot shake i love trail cameras and then when they started doing a cell camera it just it's like my poor wife is like if you don't turn that phone off we're gonna have a problem like, yeah yeah like, oh i mean at night, <clears throat> don't get me you're wrong you're in the middle of like, a conversation like hold on a minute and then you start oh oh and not all night like yeah. if i don't turn my phone off like i have to turn it off on do not disturb because it will go off all night i mean i have them all we have I think at the peak we have anywhere between 13 and 15 going on one property. So, and they're on feed stations, so they can go all night. I mean, you can get 100, 200 a night. So, so I got so, a, I got a question for you. Saying you, you're saying you you're self proclaimed trophy hunter and you're running cell cameras. How do you feel about Boone and Crockett uh, and their most recent thing where they said they're not putting trophies into the record books uh, if you're using cell cams? Well, um, I guess I mean, where do you draw the line on? on well, I mean, I and I I can understand why. I, mean, I see, yeah, exactly. I see, said the, that. I see the for sure. I mean, I'm I'm be playing on as a person that has them. They are a game changer. They, I mean, well, I I there's think no. I personally think that line was drawn in the sand because you see now YouTube's made it pretty popular and you see it on the videos of a specific channel, which I will not name, but they'll sit there in the stand and they're like, oh. The, the big ones over on this one, they climb down, walk across, down. Uh, go over there, and then he's going to be here yeah. next. Does so it have to do with a certain number? A certain number of what? Yeah. yeah. Uh, they, uh, You're finding and a then certain they, number. They go and, and they, they climb yeah. up to the next stand, and they sit there, and then they're like, oh, if he comes they here, he's going to go. Lot. They climb into the shooting house, and then yeah. it's like. And he's like, well, if he's on that camera, he's going to be on this one next because of the pattern, and then the deer comes yeah. out and they kill it. Well, that, Like I said, you, you can understand – I 100% understand their point. On the flip side, if you want to, both sides, it's like, where do you, I mean, well, you have a rifle that can shoot two and a half miles now compared to right. 100 yards. So where do you, if you, if your gun can shoot two miles, are you no longer, uh, so I understand it. I honestly, yeah. I'm, no, it's uh, the nation. Well, back in my day, we'd, I'm like, if you yeah, had exactly. those advantages, don't day, lie. You'd have them. You'd have fucking used them. Too. Oh, man. I've had that yeah. argument before with a buddy of mine. He's, I'm a strict bow hunter. I was like, well, like, what? He's like, well, that's what the Native Americans use. I was like, yeah. And you know what they did when they, when Henry recreated the repeating rifle? They traded their bows and their beads yeah, to get like, a Henry, bud. This, yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're like, here, take this twig, bro. I'm out. Like, I'm, well, it's and, already and, hard it's enough. A, it's like, where do you draw the line on? on advancement from what it was to today there's just at some point you're going to either have to just say except once again everybody under the sun's going to sure push the envelope to begin with i mean you see how we're bolting horns we're putting Uh, drones and cell cameras yeah so it's like yeah now i at the end of the day i I support everybody that hunts legally you know the right right whatever that looks like you want to crossbow and you're perfectly fine Go at it. I, I honestly, at the end of the day, I do not care as long as you're hunting and you're having fun. That's fine. Exactly. But if they want to make a stipulation, that hey, that's if you own the club, you get to let who, whoever's in. So no, if, yeah, and I, I, like I, and I agree. I, I just <laughs> so, think it. I, now, like the biggest, I said, my biggest one would be the 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 lighted knocks. I don't, nah, I don't understand that at all. Um, I'm like, okay, well, I guess. I'm, well, what about the lighted knock? You can't have a lighted knock. Yeah, from I don't believe you can you can enter one if you shoot it with a lighted knock. Uh, I have to look dumb. into that. I know there's some states that outlaw them. That's all. Oh, it's an electronic piece. I'm like, yeah, man, man. Look, 
I the lighted knocks are nice. I've also found myself staring too hard. It's like a it's like a kid when they a kid playing baseball where they they hit they swing the bat and then look for where the ball went. Like bro, you didn't even hit it because you weren't watching yeah, right, the ball like, the whole way. Yeah, you you release the arrow and then you're trying to watch where the arrow goes and you have throwing your shot off. It yeah, took, your head's like way over here. You're like Here's right. You're, you're more concerned of where it's going than where you intended to make it go in the first place. And yeah, it's, like, oh, it's stuck right there in that tree. Don't worry about it. <laughs> exactly. But I've seen it more successful. I had a buddy who said, ah, screw the lighted knocks. And he wrapped his arrows in like a reflective wrap. That was way more efficient in finding the arrow in the dark yeah. than the lighted knocks. Because the batteries die eventually. That reflective wrap, it's reflective for quite well, a while. How many, times have you seen, how many times have you seen a fletching or a knock or anything fly off at impact? Right. Anyway? So it's sitting right there at the base where you shot him. So I was like, well, that was worth it. What was right. that worth but you flip that flashlight on that that arrow is just shining like nobody's so, business with that reflective yeah. wrap on there. It, it's you throw six, one of those high vis wraps on there. Yeah, you ain't losing that thing. Six one way, so, half dozen the other. Exactly. So it's like I said, um, the books are uh, honestly, personally, with social media now, I don't think really. I think that's an old. That's an old. That's an old game. The you know the Boone and Crockett deals. I don't feel like it has as much. Uh, allure as it used to you know kind of like the texas Tro- or, you know texas trophy hunters stuff like that when i was a kid was all it was all i could not wait for the magazine to get in you know what i mean right um just like the boone and crockett or the cabela's magazine or the but i believe you know social media and stuff like that's kind of just i mean you see it right there in your face so it's like what well um, i mean you know i've got deer who's pulling I- up, how many people i don't know how many people that are just grabbing a boone and crockett book and flipping through it anymore or, or really even worry about you know the the, the purpose behind the Boone and Crockett Club when it was instated is really cool, uh, and that that was to judge. You know, they're using the the measurements to judge the health of the herd and older deer, yeah. mature deer, so on and so forth. But social media has blown that to where it feels like yeah. that's what you have to kill. Like this is the standard. Oh, that's the one seventy. Yeah, nowadays it's like if you're not if you're not killing a one seventy, you're not. Um, once again, that's what. We're, kind of what we go back to all this it's like we're i would have never thought the day where i was were shooting 150 inch deer was like you just didn't really well that's a good but how many people are killing 150 inch deer in the real world i mean if you if you did a actual not just look at youtube which is the most finite um example you can get i mean these guys got uh creme de la creme property the best nutrition the best properties uh the best equipment i mean you're talking about tractors i mean what blue collar man uh is getting to do that nowadays or, or, right. or can they even afford it? i mean even afford just a bare minimum so uh I, I that's what i don't like the most about it i i see the um now i will say it has had a tremendous impact on uh deer getting to an older age right for sure I mean, I don't think there's, I don't think you can die. I think there's been more good than bad uh, up till, you know, here. Like, I, don't, not, I don't think there's he's... anything bad whatsoever with the Pope and Young, the Boone and Crockett. What, yeah, it, I, don't, I don't think there's, I think it's done a tremendous job of what it's supposed or what it was intended to do. Now, I don't know if that, where we head from here, I, it's a pretty, man, to see some of these deer nowadays, it's, it's, it's crazy. Uh, I don't know where the books go or where, you know, we've killed, one net boom crocking deer and that's that's all i know and i've seen some good deer over my lifetime um 
man, you know how hard that is? And these guys make it look like it's just nothing. <laughs> it's they, make minutes, it, baby. they make it look like it minutes. takes, yeah, they make it look like it takes five minutes. They make it look like minutes, it takes, we've killed another yeah. 200 inch deer, boys. One, hey, man, oh, one, one hunt, but what they don't know is that one video was formed from, you know, five, six, 12 different hunts. I, I saw yeah, and, and the flip side of that as someone that's like like me or even like a real true big time outfitter that runs hunts day in and day out, how do you, on a free range piece of property, how do you do, how do you sustain those? I mean, there's no way. You, I mean, you can't, um, you can't hold a piece of, you couldn't hold, you couldn't have 15 clients that are hunting trophy deer and, and pull out 200 inch deer 15 times. I mean, there's just no way. So how do you, you hold that? You Where does that. the standard you, go? You have to have uh, roughly 500 acres to hold one deer on your property seven days a week, 365 days a year at 500 acres. And you'll the, have one white tail deer on your property that never leaves. Yep. And we, and that is actually, uh, in Mexico, we have just from my person, this is just an anecdotal, but this is just personally me. We're at about 1500, if you, yeah. 1500 acres per, not to say he'll live within that 1500 acres, but to say every 1500 acres, there's a, usually a trophy somewhere. Uh, right. Like, so if you take a 10,000 acre property, you say, well, there's probably going to be six to seven a year that come that we can get after. I'm just, I'm um, just basing that strictly on the range of every white tailed deer, not a trophy buck, not you're, you're talking yeah. uh, an old doe stays on yeah. your 500 acres. You have one deer that pretty much that stays on your property within your property bounds. If you have a 500 acres is, square. Yeah. And the biggest thing nowadays is, um, I mean, you can do everything right, but Mother Nature has is just as hard as we. I mean, it's not harder than we are on the on, on the wild, you know, wild whitetail property. So it's like, you know, we all want to grow deer seven, eight years old, but what percentage of deers from farms to survive to get to eight? So well, it's like, so with lack of water down in there, South in Mexico, Georgia, none. With, with <laughs> lack of South Georgia, you're about point one percent, huh? Yeah. With lack of water down there in Mexico, uh, do you guys ever get hit really hard with like EHD? No, we 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 don't have any of that. Um, which is why you know now that you say that, I, I've never honestly even thought about that till now because blue tongue. Uh, I've hunted the mid, I've hunted the Midwest. You know, uh, with a good friend of mine, a really good friend of mine, um, and you know, it seems like an every other year occurrence where we're getting ate up pretty good with it. We had to hit um, a property in Tennessee pretty hard one year. Uh, and now that you said that, I'm like, now that, yeah, I don't, we haven't, that's not an occurrence. I don't know what that could, what could be the difference between the two, but we run, um, basically cattle troughs, you know, 12 foot right. peeless or, or just water tanks. So we have about 27 on the 15,000 we have, um, which is fairly, uh, probably on the higher side of the most places. Um, but man, I, yeah, that, that's, that's a pretty good point you make. I don't, I'm not sure what would. So EH, for those that don't know, EHD is spread by a biting minge that lives in or, in or around in like wet soil around a water source. So when you have places where it dries up in the summertime, you have seasonal creeks and stuff like that. You get a pool that forms in a in a bend. Um, you'll you'll get those minges down there, and then the they, the deer get bit, and then their tongues swell up, and their throats swell, and they you'll usually find well, you will always find the deer dead near water trying to get water because they can't eat they can't they pretty much starve to death well yeah it's because they 
they they can't swallow it's hemorrhagic anything. fever. Yeah, yeah, their their organs yeah, are starting to shut down. Yeah, and then they die near water. So that's a, that's a a big sign. If you if you got in your area, you'll find dead deer in or around water. What's well, weird if they pretty, survive? It does something funky to their toes. Yeah, it turns their toes, toes outwards, get, like elf, elf yeah, it's toes. almost like yeah. found like the old horses found her or something like that. It's like right. they just it's pretty wild. Which we um. We killed a deer, uh, a good friend of mine killed a really nice deer two years ago, and his hooves, his dew claws were so long they went past his his hoof pads, his real hooves, his solid hooves. You know, That's crazy. The front, the front two. They were wrapped all the way around. It was wild. I mean, I'd never seen anything. I mean, they were hmm. five inches long. So tell me one of your favorite stories from hunting in Mexico. Oh, man. Uh, this hunt would probably – well, of course – my good friend um, Todd, we killed the hundred eighty two deer. That's always going to be uh, that, that tops. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's all. I mean, just in the sense of big, big deer. Um, I've had another instance with another close friend of a really close friend of mine, uh, Adam, where we had I don't know, it must have been seven to eight. Uh, both of us are tagged out. Seven to eight hundred fifty inch deer chasing one doe. Um, all within 45 yards. Of, I mean, we're trying to call people to get over there. And it's just like, of course, no, you know, you're four miles. No one's close. So it's like, uh, that was a pretty wild experience. I mean, when the middle of the rut, big deer, uh, weather's perfect. It's hard to beat that. Um, and then, uh, probably my double drop with, uh, was probably my most, I was going through, um, you know, wild hunting is more than just uh, an adrenaline rush when it comes to you know, killing stuff. But uh, me and my dad, when I was younger, we had, you know, I was a hard-headed kid. He was hard-nosed dad. Uh, we had a strange relationship. But we all, nothing that was just like, you know. But at some point in my life, we uh, stopped communicating for a little bit. And uh, long story short, I, you know, 15 years ago or something like that. I just let it go and just, we've slowly started, you know, getting closer and closer and closer. And uh, I don't know, probably over the last five or six years, we've really, maybe a little longer than that, we've really been good, good, you know, close buddies. So uh, it was going to be my last year running uh, Aguadose, which is he, he, he oversees now. And I was going to the next ranch. Um, I don't know. It, he's getting older. I'm getting older. Uh, I killed a really nice double drop time deer. My first one, I've, you know, first one I've ever even seen. Uh, and I don't know, those moments are just, there was something about that moment. You know, uh, I had a guy come and sit right on the fence line and, uh, I, you know, I, yes, it's your property, but I believe there's, there's some sort of, you know, un, <laughs> unwritten rule you know you, you kind of do what you kind of the right way so and i was down and you know the deer just vanished which it had like i said mexico they don't just whether y'all you know everybody wants to believe that or not they don't just walk out there and lick the tree you know the tripod or whatever you're in you know roll around and hang out there they you gotta hunt them just like everything else and it was getting late uh in the hunt and i was you know last day or last evening hunt which was always seems to be the better of the of the hunts and of course you know this guy comes and my wind was all the way out right you know 
boat's not going nowhere. It's going back downstream. So it was like, uh, I'm texting my dad and he's like, just, you know, hang out, just, you know, trying to pump me back up. You know, old days he'd have just said, suck it up. So, <laughs> or, 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 you know, some more fjord choose voice words, but, uh, you know, just being positive and, 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 and I don't know, for some reason, I just, from my deer stand, you can see camp house. Um, it was about, I don't know, a mile. And I was like, I'm just going to, it's nowhere. I never looked this way because it's just a big kind of thick, thick stuff and nothing's ever, I've never seen anything in there. So I've just never kind of keep my back to it. It's a little backdrop because there's a little elevation change. I was like, well, I'm just going to see if my dad's at camp because he's scared of the dark. He's not going there. He's going to hear this and I'm going to tell on him he's scared of the dark. So he's always <laughs> at camp before it gets dark. And uh, I was like, well, I'm going to see if he's at camp. In the, and I turn around and look, and this deer is standing out there in the middle of nowhere. Nothing around, looking right at me. And, of course, you know you know how it goes when a deer, you just kind of like duck, you know, pull, do the old turtleneck and pull your head down like that. Like, that's <laughs> <laughs> and uh, luckily the sun was between, I was between the sun and him. So I think he was checking to see if I was in the blind. But he never saw. Like he just, I guess he couldn't see me because I'm. He's literally looking right at, like, into the sun. I'm looking into the sun. I always cuss myself. I'm looking at the, the feeders right where the sun sits. I'm like, why do I? Why did I ever put this blind right here? So, long story short, I, sh I shoot the deer. It was plum luck that I even saw him. Um, me, and me and my dad had a moment. You know, it was like because I, I was going to the. New, I was taking over a pretty big project at the North Ranch. And he, we knew that I was, you know, my time there would be lesser. And uh, it was a special moment, man. I, I don't, I never really got to share a ton of kills with my dad, you know, that were heartfelt. It was kind of just like, load him up, let's go. Uh, hunting was always, but as we've gotten older, we've gotten wiser and we've gotten slower and we enjoy the moments. I, I, I enjoy taking pictures and videos and uh, showing every, I'm at the sunsets and the sunrises alone are worth the price of admission. Um, I can make a Facebook page on those alone. Uh, so people make fun of you uh, for that too, but oh, oh man, hey, <laughs> I get it. Trust me, brother. I was raised by I had all older girls that were either in my house or directly my older cousins. I, there's nothing. I try to tell everybody, you're not gonna hurt my feelings, brother. I was I had four four older girls when I was growing up. There ain't nothing that I ain't already heard. Hey, all, all I'm saying is, all I'm saying is, uh, when you when you post that sunrise picture, eleven nothing says I didn't see shit. Well, like like posting a sunrise picture. <laughs> Nothing's like, hey, let me let me show you what this is about. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's Hunting like ain't always me. about killing. <laughs> it's like enough about me, guys. Enough about. I mean, we, ain't, we don't come down here. But it's uh, that's what the last frontier is. It, it's just um, getting back to just being positive and trying to bridge a gap that's been, um, in my opinion, tore down between either competitiveness, which we all. Are, I mean, there's nothing wrong with being competitive, but when it's deterring people and it's not, uh, I mean, you can go on these Facebook pages, you can go on these social media platforms and see the stuff that people post. And it's like, I mean, we all hunt and, um, it's just a dying breed. It really is. Whether I know it sounds cliche, but it's like, at some point we need more people that are gatekeeping that are, are being supportive and, um, bringing people in than, than just holding, you know, holding the door shut so they can eat everything in the pantry. <laughs> I just I think that's a short term a short term game. 
So is there uh, social media wrapped up around the Last Frontier and stuff like that? People can find. Oh, uh, we have a we, yeah, we have a. Uh, I, I have the Last Frontier Outdoors, um, which is my personal stuff, which we run. You know, we kind of keep everybody up to date on the um, the apparel and stuff like that. Of course, it slows down when it's not season, but we're about to ramp it up because uh, it's um you know it's about to be go time. And then of course we have the Last Frontier Outdoors contest. Um, which we do all the, you know, we have our sponsorships on, we have, um, you know, contest guys, the inner, we're, we just now opened up this year where we're doing, uh, you know, we call it the Sonora Slam, like the Coos Deer, uh, the Bighorn Sheep and the Mule Deer. So hoping to uh, have a big, big turnout on that too. So we've really grown, the White Tail stuff's really grown. We had a good turnout last year. We gave out a bunch of, I don't know, I, like I said, once again, we, I spend more money on the contest than I, I don't make anything. So these you, people, you don't have to tell us. Think, we understand. <laughs> so I'm like, man, look, I got, I got like $300 worth of giveaway stuff that I'm we're about to do for a thousand members. So it's like, um, we had, we gave away sick of gear last year, like, I don't know, 12 or something jackets, uh, a bunch of trophies, really nice trophies. Uh, Cause when I grew up the contest back in the day, when I was younger, Man, the stuff they used to give away was fine, like nice jackets, you know, coolers, things like that. And then, you know, of course, it gets a little bit, it's gotten a little bit of uh, nothing against them. There's some great ones out there, but there's some of them that's just, they're just run of the mill kind of stuff. And I, I, I'm like, man, I want to use something cool that's like awesome, that's like you can use and be proud of or want to wear. Like, so that's how it goes. And that's what we're trying to do. Um, I got a really good friend of mine, Cody Witt. Uh, he's been a great asset, man. He's a hard worker. He he has an outfit down there. Um, Clay Young and them—they're all good people. We have a great community. Uh, the guys love it. I love it. I get to show off big deer that people killed on there. We get to highlight the you know what it's all about and show the good. I mean, that's really what it's about—just showing the good stuff that goes on down there and the people that work hard to do it and support it. So. Will you get some of those links? Get some of those links to Jordan in that in that message, and we'll we'll get those links put in the podcast description so people can find that. Yeah, absolutely. I'll shoot them too. And then, uh, so that's what doing. we do. Yeah, it's it's just uh, it's just trying to keep it alive, really, because it's like I say, it's a it's it won't last forever at this rate. That's the last of a dying breed. It really um, is. And, uh, yeah. I I, I honestly. I, I just think everyone should experience it at least once, not even just the peak, just to experience the actual culture, but just to experience what this place used to probably, I mean, it was, was like, I mean, there's no way around it. I mean, you can go out in some of these places and it's pretty remote, but to know that you can't drive back to town or get your oil changed, or if you forget something, go get it. You just won't understand. Right. Until you're three hours at the end of the world and, you're there. It's a, it's a different feeling. So um, I highly suggest if you haven't done it, it's not overwhelming. It's not too much to tackle. It's not this overbearing uh, conglomerate that you just, it seems like you can never master. It's very easy if you just take the time and you're a little bit um, less prideful. If you just say, if you just let it, you know, like you know everything sometimes it's better just to say i don't know can you help me you know what i mean like instead of just trying to fight your way through it and then get yourself in a bind and then have an unpleasant experience where you're stuck at the border for three hours because you tried to wing it and it just didn't work out so there's a lot of people that lose uh get lost at the border just because of 
a, a small hiccup that can cost you two or three hours. So it's like some people are just like, ah, it's not worth it. So if you just do your diligence, you ask the right questions, there's plenty of people that will help you. There's some good people down there still that are, you know, willing to help. And you figure it out. It's not hard. It's really not. It's not this big giant to tackle. Well, Corey, I don't want to close this out without giving you a, one more chance to say uh, whatever last words you got to say about it, and then uh, we'll give some closing thoughts. And well, I mean, really, honestly, I haven't thought much of it. But first, I wanted to, I wanted to thank you guys for you know inviting me on. Um, this is my first one, so hopefully, it was a, it was good on your end. You know, something y'all can put out there. But uh, at the end of the day, I just the message has always been just to be positive, um, enjoy each other's. Uh, presence when you're around each other take the take the take those pictures with your buddies i know some people you might get a hard time i get a hard time but uh one day it'll be all we have one day it'll be all we have to literally look back on those moments and, and say um man you remember this y'all remember this i, I can um, tell you I, i'd look back at certain parts of my life and I'm like man i wish i would have took more pictures yeah i did too i mean there's some yeah. deer that i killed that or just even settings i've been in that were just gorgeous and it's like you just it's hard to explain if you don't have it. And then one day, unfortunately, we will all be, you know, Jim Shockey was a big uh, a big mentor of mine growing up watching, which, you know, hearts and thoughts go out with those guys right now. But um, I always thought Jim's message was, was the best. I mean, he always encapsulated taking in the culture around him, the people around him, um, working hard, um, bringing positive situations. I mean, he was never scared to go somewhere. He was never scared to go hunt somewhere. He, he never uh, missed out on an opportunity because of someone told him not to do it or he was crazy or he was scared. I mean, he, he did it the right way, in my opinion. He embraced the cultures that were around him. He respected the people around him. He took people all over the world. Uh, he's brought facts to people. You know, he has that hand of God now at his place. Um, and I think that's what I don't have the resources to bring artifacts back, but I do have a phone and I do have uh, the ability to share those moments with people and, and hopefully spark some sort of, you know, revival when it comes to uh, camaraderie and companionship amongst us hunters uh, and, and share those moments together and, and be proud of each other for our hard work and our, and our, um, chasing our passions and those memories that we get to create together. I think they're worth something. I don't think they're just to be uh, forgot about at the end of deer season. I, I truly believe that those relationships uh, are to be carried for the lifetime. Some of my best friends uh, here and in Mexico uh, are built around a campfire. So I don't think it's, I think it's easy to call it a hobby, but I, I just don't think that's what it is uh, personally. I think it's more than that. I think it can be uh, life-changing and a good good aspect if you allow it to be so um i just don't want that to get lost in uh, our chase for deer um as fun as that is I, but i do believe uh those moments hold a lot of value and i believe more so than a white so so i think it can uh change the altar of some people's lives and, and for the better and that's to be appreciated I do, I do think hunting plays a big role in a lot of who i am as a person uh, it, it's been a big part of my life. We do a podcast every week. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> but even before yeah, right, that, yeah. uh, you guys got any closing thoughts? Jim, Jordan? No, nah, I mean, I, I think Corey pretty much grasped it. Uh, 
just cherish it, man. Yeah, I lived a pretty blessed life. Was out fishing with Briar this morning at six o'clock in the morning, getting on grouper and I don't know, a couple of days going to Maine. Love it. So I love do the outdoor lifestyle. We probably should have brought it up at the beginning, uh, but we'll bring it up at the end again. Uh, our small game hunts. They are coming up yep. in December. Would be the first one at Seminole Ranch Wildlife yep. Management Area, December second, I do believe. Keep an eye out for those. We got a couple small game hunts coming up. That's a really good way to uh, to get into hunting. Yeah, it get in. Like cut cut your teeth there, and then we go from. Those, go ahead. Those small, those small. Me and my uh, some of my best friends are me and my cousin. Uh, young kids taking my. We didn't, we actually like took them <laughs> it was y'all don't go hunt well we kind of snuck out and went hunting anyway so you know those single tent those single shot four tens and go wear out some some squirrels and uh man those were some good times it, it's 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 fun it's some fun stuff especially if it's if you're into it so um i'm glad to hear you guys are doing that because that we'll, we'll be we'll be chasing dove and snipe at seminole ranch in the beginning of Uh-oh. december and then we'll be chasing squirrels and wood ducks and doves Southeast Georgia in oh. on um, uh, New Year's weekend, and then we're wrapping it all up in Seminole State Forest, where we chase a large plethora of game. There, that is a small game mecca of sorts. So, hey, it sounds like, it sounds like it's about to get crazy. Yeah, it's and, fun. And, it's fun, and it's here, guys. The best time of the year is here. Yeah, we made it. <laughs> yeah. We made it. It's what we all live for, man. Right, the sleep has uh has started to get invasive, or, or you know, get get fewer and far between. Yeah, it's, it's so, that weird time of year where I wake up earlier uh, on the weekends than I do during the week. So, right for sure. Well, but, hey guys, uh, I appreciate it very much. Y'all uh, y'all stay safe and have a blessed season, and I'll be watching you guys. So, um, I, like I said, I, I'm very grateful for the opportunity to talk to you guys tonight. Yeah, thank you Likewise. for joining us. Absolutely, it's been a, it's man. been a great episode. All right, we'll catch you guys next week. Adios.